You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Come on and give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Come on, let's praise Him for the times that we have been unfaithful, but God remained faithful. For the times when we quit on Him, but God did not quit on us. Thank you for your faithful love, Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Welcome to Feast at Home, everybody. Hey, if you are looking for a place where it's okay to be messy, where it's okay to be broken, to be hurting, to be dirty, where it's okay to not be okay, then hey, you've come to the right place because God is here and God understands what you've been through and what you are going through. He knows the battle you've been fighting and He knows what it took for you to get to this point. So you don't have to wait for a reason to be blessed before you start praising God. The fact that you've got breath in your lungs right now simply means that you've got a reason to rejoice. That's right. Life may be difficult, but praise God that you're still standing. You're still breathing. You're still fighting. So if you're blessed today, shout, God is good. Amen. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I want to welcome everybody watching Feast at Home today. Thank you so much for joining us. Where you are going to be blessed with today's talk. And in case you're wondering what I talked titled, here it is. It's called Crushed. That's right. I'm sure you're curious already what it is, what it means, crushed. I want you to ready your hearts, but at the same time, I want you to ready your Bibles. I encourage you actually to take notes on it. Don't be afraid to write on your Bibles. In fact, you know, the first Bible that I used many years ago, look at this. I had to tape the sides because it was falling apart. You know what it means when your Bible is falling apart? It means that your life isn't. <laughs> build your life around the Word of God. You know, if you're looking for something solid to build your life on, why not choose the unshakable, unbreakable, unconquerable life of Jesus Himself? He's called the rock for some reason. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to invite you to say our favorite prayer right now as we all come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you stretch your hands and say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more and more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion shout this out and because i am blessed that's right i am blessing the world in jesus name amen if you are sitting down right now can i invite you to take a take a stand as we give honor and reverence to god's word as we sing thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path May the Holy Spirit speak to all of us in the remaining minutes that we have. I got a question for you. What does God want? Have you ever asked that question? What does God want? You know, I know that you know what you want. Like, for instance, you want a career as a culinary chef, or maybe some of you want to be a lawyer or a pilot or a banker. You want a house with a great view where your wife and your two beautiful daughters and your amazing son and your golden retriever can enjoy. Am I right? Or maybe you want to be president 
some of you? But the more important question is this, how do I know if what I want is what God wants for me too? That's the billion dollar question, right? But really, what does God want? Have you ever asked that? You want my most honest answer to that question? Okay, here it is. Get ready for this. It depends. It depends. Okay, I wish I had a better answer than that, but let me explain first. For example, if you want God to give you a step-by-step -step blueprint of what He wants you to do, I'm so sorry to say, but there is no such thing. Because life is not like it's a, it's a Lego toy where there's a diagram on how you build your life. No. Ever notice that God doesn't like unveiling the details? You know, it would be so much easier if God would just give us a clue on what will happen tomorrow, right? But, you know, He doesn't. Why? Because God's not into the details. I remember the story when Jesus was walking on water that night and He asked Peter if, if Peter could go to Him. But then Jesus gives this, this instruction that, to me, it was so crazy. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, come. Come. That's it. No manual, no diagram, no YouTube tutorial on how Peter could miraculously walk on water. You know, just come. No wonder Peter sank, right? You know, I know we all could wish that God would just be clearer on the details sometimes, but that's just not how God works. Here's what God will do. God will give you the destination. Destination is heaven. But because of free will, you have the freedom to choose the details of your journey. Okay, let me put it this way. God will give you the destination, but you get to decide the details. Hallelujah. So that's why don't bother asking God for the blow-by-blow -blow details, you know? If you want to know what God wants, here's what you need to do. You first have to know His heart. Because when you know the heart of God, you'll also know His plan for your life. That's why Christianity is essentially a relationship with Jesus. The more you discover the heart of Jesus, the more you understand what He wants for you. That's the end goal of this beautiful relationship with Jesus, to want what He wants. So by the end of our session today, here is our lofty goal. I want you to want what God wants. Yeah, that's actually our big message for today. You need to want what God wants. Write that down. Anyway, let's turn to our assigned passage for today. We're going to dive into uh, the inspiration behind the first sorrowful mystery of the rosary. It's called the agony in the garden. I want you to turn your Bible, if you've got a physical book, turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. It's, a, it's rather long, so please stay with me. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and He said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. Like I said, you know, the place Gethsemane simply means olive press. In fact, if you fly to Israel today and you go to that same spot called Gethsemane, you're still going to see the olive trees and they're, they're more than centuries old. They were planted once upon a time by Juan Ponce Enrile when he was a little boy. You don't believe me? You don't believe me? Okay, ask Brother Adrian Panganiban. He was the one who watered those seeds. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Brother A. You know, we could do that because we're, we're really good friends. Anyway, let's continue studying in case I get into any more trouble. Um, let me explain this. The way that the ancient uh, Jews produced olive oil is to what? Is to take a giant stone and then press the olives and then voila, out comes olive oil as you can see in this photo. I remember one time, Ethan, uh, I asked Ethan, what's the Tagalog word of, of uh, banana? 
And then he pauses for a moment and then he starts to think and then his eyes lit up and then he shouts the answer. The Tagalog word of banana is ketchup. <laughs> Apparently, when you squeeze bananas, out comes banana ketchup. I'm telling you, my son is a genius. While you and I are all still living in the year 2022, Ethan is already living in the year 2052. <laughs> I want you to know, okay, let's get serious. I want you to know that it's not a coincidence that, that Jesus was being pressed in the same place where people pressed olives. Because more than anything, you know, this was a loud statement. It was a statement that said that Jesus would be pressed on all sides, but hey, he won't be crushed. And you know, that's my declaration to somebody right now. If you are surrounded by all sorts of pressure in your life, St. Paul says this, and this is my declaration for all of us today. We might be pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We might be perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We might be hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We might get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Come on and give me a loud amen, somebody. I know you don't like pressure. I don't like pressure either. My, my, my arms and my palms and my feet and my armpits sweat whenever I'm pressured. I can't get a good night's sleep whenever I'm pressured. I, I choke when I'm pressured. But you know what? Let me just say this. Pressure can sometimes be a good thing because pressure brings out who you really are. I want you to listen to this and I pray that this is going to set somebody free from the pressures of life. You know, when you apply pressure on anything, whatever is locked inside is released. You want to know how diamonds are formed? Deep in the Earth's core is a substance called crystalline carbon. And on its own, you know, carbon is nothing special. But you know, when you apply extreme heat and extreme pressure on that thing, you know what happens? It turns into a beautiful diamond, one of the hardest and most precious materials in this world. Here is the truth. Pressure releases the potency that's trapped inside of you. So whether you know it or not, there is potential in you that only pressure can release. So the next time you experience pressure, my friend, I want you to remember this. It's not what's happening to you, but it's about what God is trying to release in you. Amen. Pressure is not meant to crush you. It's meant to release something of value in you. It's meant to release the oil that's inside of you. Now, what did Jesus do when he experienced intense pressure inside? You know what he did? Scripture says that he prayed. And you know, that's what we need to do. If you're going through a difficult time right now, do what Jesus did in the garden. Pray. How did Jesus pray? Would you like to know? If you want to know, stick around because the next preacher is going to tell us in the end. Okay, let's continue. Verse 37. I hope this is blessing you. Verse 37. It says that Jesus took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. I want you to take notice of that, okay? I want you to take a special note of who Jesus brought with him. Because this was not the first time that Jesus took the same cast of characters with him. Peter, James, and John. Remember in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus was up on the mountain and then he transfigured? Let's go back to that. Okay, I want to prove a point to you. In chapter 7, verse 1, it says that six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. 
And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. I want you to think long and hard about this for a moment, okay? Because Matthew was making a deep and profound connection between these two stories and I need you to listen to this. It's a really, really good point and I pray that this gives you deep encouragement this year. Matthew says that on the mountain, Jesus' face, what? Shone like the sun, chapter 7, verse 2. But then he also says that in the garden, Jesus bowed with his face to the ground, chapter 26, verse 39. It was as if Matthew was saying that on the mountain, Jesus showed his divinity. But then in the garden, Jesus showed his humanity. Question, how can I make this practical to my life, Brother Audi? How is this applicable to my situation right now? Okay, can I preach this to you? I'm going to preach this to you. See, life is a series of ups and downs. We all know that. In the different stages of your life, sometimes you are up, sometimes you are down. Sometimes you're on top of the world, sometimes you are down in the dumps. Sometimes you are winning, but sometimes you're losing. Here's my message. Don't ever get too cocky. Don't ever get too, too proud when you are on top because nobody stays on the mountain forever. But you know, on that same note, don't ever lose hope if you are in anguish, especially right now. Why? Because nobody weeps in the garden forever. But here's the best part. Whether you are up on the mountain or you are down in the garden, it doesn't really matter where you are. Because where you are is not as important as who you are with. Your companion is more important than your location. Here's what I need you to do. I want you to put your hand over your chest and say this. I can be anywhere. Come on, say it with me. I can be anywhere as long as Jesus is with me. Amen. Amen. To complete our talk for today, I want you to unfasten your hearts right now as we welcome Brother Bo Sanchez. Brother Bo, preach away, brother. Thank you, Audi. God bless you. Woo! Amen and amen. Want what God wants. That's our big message for today. With your permission, can we go deeper? <laughs> Some, someone, perhaps you're thinking, you know, how can we go even deeper? It's so deep already. No, we're, we're going to go a little bit deeper. In a previous talk here at the feast, I shared that ancient Jews, when they read the Bible, you know what they do? They use Genesis as a lens to read the entire Bible, especially Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I'll tell you why. Because when the biblical authors would write the books here in the Old Testament, what they do is they hyperlink their story with the original story, with the first story in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, with the story of all stories. So that's what, we're, so that's what they were doing. And so they would read the Bible um, using the Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as their lens. Now, here's my guess. And, and, you know, you, you can disagree with me, um, that when Matthew wrote about what happened in Gethsemane, my guess is that he wanted his readers to recall the first garden, the garden of all gardens. Um, because in the first garden, Adam and Eve gave in to the pressure, right? Jesus did not. 
in, in the first garden, Adam and Eve followed their feelings. Jesus, in the garden of Gethsemane, followed his faith. And it's almost like Matthew is, is uh, and again, this is just my, 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 you know, my reflection, my opinion, that it's almost like Matthew is saying, you're in a garden right now. And in your life, in your situation, and there is intense pressure, intense pressure to, to make you not follow God, to make you, you know, just do, do your own thing. And you see, Adam and Eve had a choice. They were given a choice, and the choice was, will you follow God, or will, or will you be God? Will you be like God? They chose Godhead. They chose their own Godhead. Jesus, he was in another garden, and he chose death. He chose to die for others. It, you know, the temptation was... Let's, let's, let's stop this. Let's say, I'm, 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 I'm God. Hello. You know, why, why do I have to die for, for these people? Excuse me. No, J Jesus said no to that. And, and he chose death. I want you to know, uh, I've been married for 23 years. So shift topic right away, right? <laughs> but it's connected. It's connected. I want you to know that marriage is a garden. Yes. And um, yesterday, Maru and I, we were having a very lively discussion. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, it. It was about something tiny, but it, it, was, it, it was like for, for that moment, you know, sometimes you get lost in the discussion. You think it's a matter of life and death and, and it, it was getting hot. The discussion was hot. And, and so I had a choice. Thankfully, I, I, I just realized, wait a minute, I have a choice. To become a god, to, be, to pursue my godhead, to pursue me and what I want and my pride. And my, or do I choose to die for my wife? And so in the middle of that um, discussion, very intense discussion, I, I just paused, I smiled. And I kissed her. End of discussion. <laughs> no, I'm giving you, a, you know, because the topic could be very deep and you might you say, oh, my brother Bo, this is so deep. No, it's very practical. It happens every day of our lives. Are you going to be like Adam and Eve? Or are you going to be like Jesus? In Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three times. And what Matthew did is he wrote down the first two prayers. He just said that in the third prayer, he did the same thing. But he actually puts down the exact words of the first two times that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to look at them. And I want you to examine the difference between the two prayers. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 39, the first prayer. My father, Jesus said, if it be possible... Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Second prayer. See the difference. My father, exactly the same. If this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. I, 
let's go to the first prayer again. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, if it be possible, right? Uh, second prayer, if this cup cannot be taken away from me. You can argue, my dear friends, that these two prayers are exactly the same and mean exactly the same thing, but they're not. They may be using the same words, but you see the phrasing shifted, hinting a subtle movement, a subtle movement of the heart. If you notice, the second prayer is now more detached. I'll tell you why. The end goal of all prayer is total surrender. My friend, I'm going to ask you this question. How surrendered are you? The two steps of the Gethsemane prayer, it teaches us. First step, you tell God what is in your heart. Jesus was honest. And he said, Lord God, if it be possible, let this cup pass. You know, don't skip this step. Some people, they skip to, to step two right away. Lord God, I, you know, whatever you want. You know, no, no, no. God gave you a brain. God gave you a mind. God gave you emotions. God gave you your heart. Be honest with him. Feel your feelings before the Lord, before his presence. You know, for example, I still teach people to this day. Even after I authored the book, Finding Your Surrendered Place, <laughs> my latest book, right? And I teach people surrender. That's the only way to find peace. But to, to this day, I still tell people, write down your dreams, have a dreams list, create a dream board, you know, draw and cut out photos of things that you want to happen in your... Why? Because God created us with the capacity to dream. Then that means He wants us to use those gifts to plan and to project and to pursue with boldness. Each year, like at the start of this year, that's what I did. I started writing down the blessings I wanted for 2022. You know, and and, and I'll, I'll teach you the same thing. I love doing that. You know why I love doing that? Because I believe that God loves to listen to my heart. So step one, tell God what is in your heart. But it cannot stop there. That's just step one. There's a step two. There is a step two. Don't end in step one or else you won't fulfill the purpose of prayer. Here's step two. You let God tell you what is in his heart. Dear friend, this is the purpose of prayer. It's not to get what you want, but to want what God wants. That's it. By the way, let me close in this way. Have you heard of this phenomenon called, biological phenomenon called entrainment? It happens to you all the time. It happens to me all the time. Example, you're walking with a friend on the road and you're chatting. Very soon, after walking for a while and chatting with your friend, you look down at your feet and you notice that you and your friend have syn synchronized your steps. Um, you, your, your pace is exactly matched. When your friend moves her right foot, you're moving your right foot um, without thinking about it. It's, they're perfectly coordinated. Why? That's called entrainment. That's not all. When the mother and a child spend time together, studies show that the breathing of the child entrains with the breathing of the mother. They start breathing 
in the same rhythm. And here's, here's the thing, not only they're breathing, but pretty soon the heartbeat of the child follows the heartbeat of the mother. Fascinating, right? Now this led me into prayer and I began to say to myself, man, that's what I want to happen in my relationship with God. When you pray, when I pray for something, the real miracle is not that God answers my prayer. The real miracle is when God's heartbeat is beating inside my chest. When, there, when my heart's, when my, the heartbeat of my heart entrains, matches the heartbeat of God, when I begin to want what God wants. Can we pray? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, just, just say this prayer with me. Lord, I'm, I'm very far from this, and I want to be honest with you. You know, the, the, I, I've got all these desires, and I've, I've got all these wishes, and I've got a long list of, of what I want. And I'm going to give all that to you. I really su will submit all that to you. But I will not end my prayer there. I will always end my prayer telling you, I want what you want. At the end of the day, I will serve you and your will be done in my life because I trust you and I surrender my life to you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.